Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to the Highway Community. We're glad that you have joined us as we gather together for worship on this first Sunday of 2016. Believe it or not, another Christmas has come and gone. Uh, and I don't know about for you, but for me, the passing of Christmas always comes with some measure of relief. Uh, because Christmas right, never ceases to be one of the busiest times of year. And it's busy in this really comprehensive kind of way. Now, for many of us, the, the, the end of the calendar year is a demanding time at work for various reasons. Students are finishing classes, which means papers and projects are due, in addition to preparing for and taking final exams. Christmas is, is a busy time socially. Uh, there's usually an increase in activity with family and friends, with all kinds of parties and gift exchanges and get-togethers. There are church community events celebrating the spiritual significance of the season. And then, of course, there's all of the shopping and the wrapping and the cooking and the baking that comes with the season as well. Right? It's almost impossible not to feel the intensity of the Christmas season. And so there's a certain sense of relief when it all comes to an end, simply from making it through, from surviving another year. But then, it's New Year's. And that means now that it's time to look ahead. And, and whether you're into New Year's resolutions or not, the turn of the year, I think, always compels us to be thinking about what we're going to do in the coming year, what we want to accomplish Right? How we're going to improve. You know, what things we, we didn't get around to doing last year that we want to do this year. You know, for me, this fall was the first time in more than 10 years that I haven't coached a soccer team. Uh, and while that was really helpful for my schedule in one sense, uh, it also meant that I lost my exercise routine uh, because I used to participate in the fitness with my players. Uh, so that's one thing that I need to do in 2016. I need to find some kind of a new fitness routine now that I'm not out on the soccer field three days a week or else things are going to be very bad. But that's how it is, isn't it? Right? We, we finish with the busyness of Christmas and we move right along to the busyness of the new year. No sooner do we say goodbye to the busyness of Christmas than we say hello to the busyness of the new year. And that, I think, really epitomizes our culture. But it underscores the reality that we are living in a culture of busyness. And to illustrate that a little further for us, we're going to take a look at a clip from a short film, a short documentary film called Human Kinda, where Sam Richardson takes to the streets to explore our culture of busyness. Take a look with me. Our nation is facing a problem. It affects every single one of us. Every man, child, woman, woman, child. People don't have time to do anything. They go from here to there to there to here. Some people have two cell phones. Kids have karate practice. Everyone is so busy. Why? Are we losing our humanity? Is humankind becoming human kinda? Well, oh, that's good. Write, write that down, actually. I wanted to find some answers. And I think I might have. Hi, I'm Sam Richardson. Actor, comedian, collector of clocks. I went from LA to New York to DC to Florida to Miami, which is in Florida. Then I took a personal trip to Seattle. It was nice. I've talked to swamis and ducks, even an elephant. By the end of this documentary, I hope to answer the question, why are we so busy? Or as my elephant friend said, Friff. follow me into this adventure. 
first, I hit the streets to investigate this busyness problem up close. That's Excuse me, ma'am, are you busy? I, I can't stop. You can't, you can't because she's so busy. Man, would you say that you're busy? I'm on the phone. Oh, I'm busy, yeah. Are you into a client right now? Yes. In the fourth grade, there's a lot of, a lot of work to do. What does your job in, include on the, on the day to day? You're slicing bread for bucks. I'm so lucky that I'm on the news right now. <laughs> well, this isn't, this isn't, I'm gonna be fair, this isn't the news. People were too busy to talk to me, so I decided to sweeten the deal. So if you could go to Puerto Rico right now, would you go? What's the catch? The catch is you have to go right now. That's the catch. Six months ago would have been probably different. It kind of seems crazy to drop everything and run. Puerto Rico, free trip. Doesn't that sound like a relief, just to get to drop everything and leave? Just like drop it and go? Yeah, why not? Life is too short. Life is too short. That's very true. I can, but I would. So are you not really that busy? Just say yes! Yes. After a day's work, I had only saved one person from his busyness, and it was really hard to convince him it was okay. Have fun trip. I realized my scope was too broad. I wanted to speak to an expert about this problem, so I met with Christine Carter, a sociologist who studies happiness and well-being. This is the American mantra, how are you? I'm so busy, it's like a compulsion, right? right? So it's like, check your email, check your email, check your Facebook feed, you know, check your phone, check your phone, check your phone. Right. And this is really, really exhausting for the brain. The brain is not a smartphone, it can't run multiple apps at any one time. <laughs> well, it doesn't take Sam Richardson very long, does it, of hitting the streets to find out that people are, are too busy even to talk, let alone drop everything and take a last-minute trip to Puerto Rico, a spontaneous free trip to Puerto Rico. Right, the difficulty that he had actually giving that away, I think, speaks volumes in and of itself. Right, even the fourth grader that he talked to is inundated with stuff to do. And I think that the sociologist you know, that was interviewed at the end of the clip really hit the nail on the head when she said, the American mantra is to answer the question, how are you? with I'm so busy. But the American mantra is to answer the question, how are you, with I'm so busy. Now, I know actually that that's how I respond to that question more often than that, more often than not, almost without thinking. Right? Busy is just what almost instinctively comes out of my mouth when I hear that question, how are you? And that reflects, I think, the reality that busyness has very much become for us the new normal. Busyness has become the new normal. And Jesus, believe it or not, can actually relate to that. Jesus can actually relate to that. Mark's gospel, Mark's story of Jesus' life, interestingly enough, presents Jesus as constantly busy. And we see it right from the beginning. Unlike the gospels of Matthew and Luke, which start with narratives of Jesus' birth, and unlike John's gospel that starts out with a theological discourse, Mark's story of Jesus' life starts with Jesus' public ministry. We are dropped right into the action. Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He endures the temptation in the wilderness. And then we see Jesus proclaiming the good news of God in Galilee, calling his first disciples, and casting out an impure spirit in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And that's all just in the first 28 verses of Mark chapter 1. And then after all of that, verse 29 of Mark 1 says this. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon 
and Andrew. Now, the word that Mark uses there that's translated at the beginning of that verse is as soon as, is a word that he uses 42 different times over the course of his gospel. And in addition to being translated as soon as, it can also be translated as right away, at once, immediately. And it gives Mark's gospel this incredible sense of pace. Right? It gives us this sense that Jesus is just going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And so Jesus immediately goes from the synagogue to the home of Simon's mother-in-law. And verse 30 says that Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. She began to serve them probably the evening meal. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And so we see that Jesus, after he performs his first couple of healings, we see that, that after that, the word about Jesus spreads quickly. That people began bringing all the sick and demon-possessed to him. And so much so that Mark says that as he was there at Simon's mother-in-law's home, the whole town gathered at the door. Right? So people are literally lined up. And we have the sense that there's just no end in sight. And verse 34 says that Jesus healed many and he cast out many demons. But then, look at what Jesus does next. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And so right in the midst of all of the busyness, right in the midst of the, the continuous and persistent and strenuous demands of ministry, we see that Jesus consciously and deliberately stepped away. Jesus consciously and deliberately stepped away. Mark says that he got up early, went to a solitary place, and he prayed. And the word that Mark uses that's translated for us as solitary place literally means wilderness place or desolate place, or desert place. Now, Capernaum, where these events here in Mark 1 are taking place, was actually not a wilderness place, geographically speaking. Right? Capernaum was not a desert. And so Mark is not talking here about a particular physical place that Jesus went away to. Instead, Mark is speaking symbolically here. He's speaking symbolically here. If we back up to the beginning of Mark's story, back up to the beginning of Mark chapter 1, we discover that Mark has already used this word two different times. It's used in verse 3 when he quotes from Isaiah's prophecy about John the Baptist's coming, the voice of one calling out in the desert, in the wilderness, if you will. And then it's used again in verse 12 to describe the place where the Spirit sent Jesus to be tempted by Satan. He sent him out into the desert. He sent him out into the wilderness. And so by the time we come to verse 35 here of Mark chapter 1, this term wilderness is already richly symbolic. 
And so not only does it evoke land that is barren and desolate and is inhospitable, but it also evokes divine communication and solitude and temptation and encounters with the supernatural. And I think that Mark wants us to have all of that in mind here as Jesus steps away into the wilderness. Now, Jesus steps away from the crowds and the chaos and the gossip of Galilee. He's, he's deliberately stepping away from all of that, deliberately stepping away from the clamoring for his gifts of healing, deliberately stepping away from the busyness. And so the wilderness is very much set in opposition to all of that. It represents the opposite of all of those things. And there's a sense in which Mark, I think, by using that term, also wants us to see all of the busyness of Galilee as another kind of temptation for Jesus as well. And so Jesus is stepping away from that. He steps away to be alone with God. He steps away to pray, to connect with his Father, and to seek guidance about what he should do in light of the response that he is getting to his ministry. And we get a sense for just how different and how counterintuitive and how countercultural what Jesus does is by what happens next. Mark chapter 1, verse 36. says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And the word that the, the NIV here, the word that in the original language is actually stronger than what the NIV gives us here. Literally, they pursued him. Uh, they, they hunted him down. And so Mark is communicating there's a sense of urgency and, and a fervency of the disciples' search here. So Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And so Jesus' disciples come looking for him. And when they find him, and they, they make this exclamation, everyone is looking for you, but the implication very much is, what in the world are you doing, Jesus? Everybody's looking for you. People need you. What are you doing out here? And the contrast there between the disciples right, and the flurry of busyness that they represent right, and this space that Jesus has stepped into couldn't be sharper. The contrast couldn't be sharper. And it's punctuated even further by Jesus' response to the disciples' exclamation in verse 38. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. You know, it's interesting that Mark doesn't record the disciples' response to Jesus' reply to their exclamation, everyone is looking for you. And I think that the reason he doesn't record that is because as readers, we already know what it is. Because it's the same response that we have ourselves when we hear Jesus' reply. We're surprised. We're surprised that, you know, despite all of the need that is waiting for him back in Capernaum, all the stuff that there is to do, and all of the success and the renown that comes along with it, Jesus opts to go somewhere else. Jesus opts to go somewhere else. 
And so Jesus steps away from all of the busyness. And it brings him this sense of clarity. It brings him a sense of clarity. Stepping away enables him to stay connected both to his father and to his mission. And so we see that Jesus intentionally observed a different rhythm. He intentionally observed a different rhythm. He intentionally stepped away from the busyness. And there's something very instructive for us in that. There's something very instructive for us in that. Because we're busy people. Busy people who are immersed in a culture of busyness. And so we go, and we go, and we go, and we go from one thing to the next to the next. And so much so that we almost become anesthetized to it. But what we don't often realize is that with every task accomplished, with every thing that we check off of our to-do list, with every meeting, with every conversation, with every interaction that we have, there's a cost. And what we don't often realize is the way that all of our busyness ultimately takes a toll on us. And unless we step away, unless we rest and allow God to restore us and revitalize us, then we're actually dangerously busy because we're becoming depleted. Unless we step away and allow God to restore us and revitalize us, then we're actually dangerously busy because we are becoming depleted. And as we become depleted, we become diminished in our capacity to feel emotions, diminished in our capacity to engage and connect with others in our relationships, diminished in our capacity to engage and connect with God, diminished in our capacity to engage and connect with our mission as followers of Jesus, the mission of embodying the kingdom of God on earth. But being dangerously busy ultimately leaves us, uh, to borrow the title from the documentary film that we looked at earlier, it ultimately leaves us human kinda. Jesus importantly reminds us that we need to step away, that we need rest, that we need space to be alone with God, space to hear his voice, space to be renewed and restored, space to be recentered. But boy, is that difficult to do. But the constant flow of our lives makes it hard for us to step away from all of the stuff. It makes it hard to, to step away from our work, from our studies, from our kids, from our to-do lists, from our phones and tablets and screens and all of the stuff that they generate for us to do. This morning we're starting a, a new three-week teaching series entitled Rest Rehearsal. Where over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking together at the importance of practicing rest in the midst of a culture of busyness in order to rehearse who God is, rehearse who we are, and experience restoration. And as we've seen this morning, rehearsing rest really starts very simply with what Jesus models for us. 
in Mark chapter 1. Rehearsing rest starts first and foremost with stepping away. And so I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. I want to give you a few moments just to step away and step into God's presence. And so I want to invite you to just relax in your chair and close your eyes. And in the aftermath of Christmas, take a few deep breaths. Feel the the release of exhaling. And allow yourself just for a moment to settle. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As you sit in God's presence this morning, in what area or what areas of your life do you feel busyness pressing you? Where do you feel the burden of busyness? Where do you feel weary? Where do you need to experience rest? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you those places. Listen to Jesus' invitation to rest one more time. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Father, it never ceases to amaze me the extent to which Jesus' time on earth enables him to relate so directly to us 
and enables us to relate so directly to him. To see the similarities between his experience in life and ours. And to see what he models for us. But thank you for Jesus' example of living according to a different rhythm and stepping away. And Father, as we locate the places in our lives where we feel the pressing of busyness, God, would you give us courage to step away? I thank you for Jesus' invitation for us to come to him and experience rest. Father, would you give us courage restored and able to bear your image in the world. Father, we offer our busyness to you. Forgive us for it. Would you meet us?